Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Craig Swan and our special guest, Chris Sutton. On the well, pod- Craig is special as well, Liam. Of course, of course, of course. I would never, I would never dispute that. Sorry, Swanny. That's all right, that's all right. I won't take it personally. <laughs> anyway, on the pod today we're going to look at the big stories around Celtic at the moment. Obviously, we're into the thick of the transfer window now. What's going to happen with a goalkeeping situation? You've got Fraser Forster, possibly Joe Hart. We'll get stuck into that. And in Tuesday's paper, um, Celtic are spearheading the return of fans to Scottish football. And there was positive news on that front as well. So we'll have a wee look and see how that all might work in the coming weeks and months. Uh, how are we today, lads? Are we all right? Yeah, all good. All good. Not bad. So just desperate for the football to get started and... Up here, watching the games down south. Not all brilliant, but um, it's at least giving us something to get to give us an insight into what might be coming up soon. So looking forward to it. What get... a misery he is! Isn't he? <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm glass half full. Love the games down here. Football's back. Uh, could do with it back up the road, of course, as as soon as I take Swanee's point. But come on, Swanee, let's be a little bit more cheerful. Come yeah, on. okay then. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll turn that on to the channel. I'll, 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 what I'll do is I'll put on the fake noise. I'll put on the fake, the, the, the fake joy. <laughs> do you do you do you, do you watch with that on? Nah, I actually um, compared the two of them, and I thought I was conning myself by listening to the one with the fake noise. I actually thought it was okay. It was quite watchable, and then I flicked it over to the actual ground, what, what it's like, and it was just terrifying. Would have thought of what it's going to be like if our games are like that because it was just it was like being at a pre-season friendly abroad somewhere, um. Just I don't like it. So you, nah, you probably I, like I, listening. You probably like listening to all the swearing. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's a good job. It's a good job you weren't playing. <laughs> Listen, to everybody giving you sticks. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I don't mind it. I, I actually think that I know it's a con and I know it's plastic, but the you know that the kind of pretend crowd noise. Actually mm. makes it kind of watchable. There's, oh, there's yeah. moments in the game you kind of drift off and forget that it's that it, that it's behind closed doors. So yeah, I think it's been a good idea that. Mm. I think we'll get the the fake crowd noise up here. I mean, it sounds a wee bit different, I'd imagine, but uh, uh, Hamilton will be interesting, won't it? <laughs> suppose so. Pack um, on the little guys, sorry. Pack on the little guys. Uh, yeah, okay. Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. That was just true. Shut. Champagne of the game, yes, indeed. <laughs> that was just true. <laughs> All right, okay. All right. Okay. Wow. Um, sorry to any Hamilton fans that might be tuning in on the off chance. Chris is sorry. Guy. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> is he? <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, um, the big kind of story uh, the one the Celtic fans all want to know about at the moment is who is going to be in goal uh, for Neil Lennon's team next season. Um, obviously, Fraser Forster remains, that you think, the first choice with a lot of the fans. Uh, but we've also got Joe Hart, um, as we revealed in the Daily Record uh, last week, um, who's been considered. Uh, Hart's obviously the first time in his career he's without a club after leaving Burnley. Um, just want to, you know, come to you. So what's the latest on this? How how, um, how is it panning out at the moment? Well, I think it's it's fairly clear. I mean, we've spoken about it on the podcast for for a few weeks now. Um, getting Fraser Foster in the door is a major prior, priority for, for Neil Lennon. Uh, I'm sure that's what he wants. The problem you've got in these situations is, I know that, that Chris will probably touch on this later on, but... Um, Unfortunately, in these deals, we've spoken about it in the podcasts every January, every summer, every transfer window. There's three parties involved in these things. And whether Celtic are desperate for it to happen, and Fraser Foster's desperate for it to happen, Southampton have also got a say here. And you would suspect that they are the stumbling block, what they want, mm-hmm. uh, what their demands are, how the deal's structured. Would they rather he stayed to have a look at him? Because... As Chris has seen from the football down south, their goalkeeper, the Alex McCarthy, hasn't been covering himself in glory um, since since the resumption. So, you know, this this the tricky thing for Celtic. Listen, it always happens in the transfer window, and it's normally because and we've discussed it in the past. The European qualifiers are starting early, and Celtic are trying to get guys in the door before English clubs or other clubs in other countries are even back, and they've got decisions to make as well. So. As much as Celtic want this to happen, and mm-hmm. Fraser Foster would like it to happen, I'm sure, Southampton have got probably the biggest say. He's their player. So it might not just be as cut and dried as Celtic and Fraser Foster. We know it's not. It's not just a case of Fraser Foster, I want to sign for Celtic, Celtic, I want you to sign, that's it. There's a lot more to it than that, and that's clearly... If that wasn't the case, he'd be on the door already. Yeah. But he can push it, Swanee. He, he, you know, a lot of this will come down to Fraser Forster. Unless Southampton, uh, Ralph Hasenhutl turns around and and says, you know, you're going to be my number one, which I would think is highly unlikely. Didn't want him at the, the you know start of the season. Hence, um, he ended up at Celtic. He thought that uh, Angus Gunn and Alex McCarthy were better goalkeepers. I can't really see his mindset changing in that respect. Uh, I, I I totally agree with what you're saying about. Um, the the money situation and Southampton may hold out for a bit more money, but when it when it boils down to it, if Fraser Forster is third choice keeper at Southampton, which you know I believe he he still is, then of course he'll want to play football. We spoke on on, on the pod a couple of weeks ago. You know what's the point in going and sitting on the bench at a at a Chelsea? Uh, there's no point in that. Or I think Liverpool was mentioned as well. You know, at his age, he needs to play. We saw how much he enjoyed playing uh, football uh, last season, how good he was. He was back to his very, very best. That's what stimulates you as a player. He was, you know, on top form. And so, therefore, he actually needs to to push this one through himself, go to Ralph, Ralph Hasenhutl and say, I want to go to Celtic. Can you make it happen? And, and eventually... I think that, you know, it's down to him to crowbar a move. You are absolutely correct, I think, Chris, in the fact that players can push things these days. But I think there is only so far they can push. And by that, I mean, Fraser Foster can say all of this and mm. and he can push Southampton. But the money men at Southampton 
I'm going to turn around. I wouldn't have thought and say, okay, Fraser, if that's what you want, we'll take a million quid for you. Thanks. Uh, you know, no, they're going to the, the, gonna try and get as much as they can get for him. And, and that's, yeah. you know, it's not just that. It can't, it can't surely be that simple. He would be there. But but there has to be uh, a middle ground when the club, while, while you make a good point and, and the club have to do what's right for themselves, there has to be a middle ground where Southampton will think, well, you know, however much money he's on, whether he's on 70, 80, 90,000 pounds a week, then if he's third choice keeper, that's, you know, that's a burden for us to keep paying him that. So we will have to do some sort of deal. It's just the nature of the deal. But if you're Neil Lennon and you're Celtic, there are two priorities this summer. And that one is keeping Odson Edward. The second is getting Fraser Forster in. They yep, are the, the two yep. key moves which Neil Lennon and Celtic have to make. So is the is the potential that kind of, you know, Chris said something's got to you know, sort of give it at some point. Is there, do you think there's scope for another, another loan where perhaps Celtic cover I don't know, X amount of his, his wages. Do you think that's possible? Of course, yeah. that's an option. Yeah, it's an option. Of course it is. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll, ultimately, it'll come down to... I think it'll ultimately come down to Southampton because I don't think Scottish football... I was going to say Celtic, but I meant Celtic and Scottish football in one. Don't have the money to drive it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. If you know, if an, if an, for it, what I mean by that is, if an English Premier League club were to come into Southampton and say there's 25 million for Fraser Foster, they could drive the deal. They force Southampton's hand then because yeah. Southampton would say, well, yeah, of course we've got to take that money. But yeah. the money isn't in Scottish football for Celtic to drive Southampton's hand, so it has to be them who back down or set the terms or whatever. You know, I think. I mean, I don't think you need to be in the centre of negotiations to realise that they are the ones who will ultimately dictate. Whether this can happen. Was there anything in the story about and sham and and crowbarring a deal, or is that a load of rubbish? Oh, well, it's been it's been doing the rounds. Uh, that one certainly funny. I think he's won. He's won the voice. Southampton always keep a close eye on players up here, and they do have a, a, a contact. You know, a contact with watching Celtic players. You know, they've they've had great success with it. Um, whether in charm is going to be factored into any deal or anything like that, I don't really know. Um, I don't know if it would if it would that would be a tool that they would try and use, but if you're asking me, do I think um, are Southampton interested in Olivier and Cham? Then yeah, I think they are. Yeah. But whether it's part of it, I don't know. Because you've, 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 you've because you've obviously got Mohamed El Yunusi in the mix as well. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean, this whole there's quite a lot. There's quite, <laughs> there <laughs> has been quite a lot. Yeah. You go, you go. It's a well-worn road. Um, between Glasgow and Southampton and El Yunusi's another one, which I'm sure you'll come to in a minute. Um, and the fact, the fact we're... Fraser Forster now is out of contract, uh, sorry, uh, uh, the, his contract is, has expired at Celtic. This, this, and same with El Yunusi then, this has, something has to happen and happen pretty swiftly, do you think? I think, you know, again, it comes back to, listen, we, talk, we, we talked on the pod, Chris, didn't we, and Liam, a few weeks ago that, the way seasons aren't going to be in sync was going to cause problems. Mm-hmm. And if you are Southampton or Ralph Hasenhutl, you maybe think, okay, we'll get through these least, this last, last batch of games and then we'll have a look during our close season at what we want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's not really any good for Celtic just now. Probably not any good for, 
Fraser Foster, if he wants to come and sell, because he's got to go back down the road. But, but, that, but that, that, we, that's we always said purchase. that was a problem, and it comes back to Celtic can't drive Southampton's hand, can they? But that's not such a big deal, I don't think. He either, either likes him, he either likes him more than McCarthy or Gunn, or he doesn't. You, I mean, goalkeepers are a specialist position, and you can argue all positions are specialist position. You probably will. Um, but you know, it, it is, <laughs> goalkeepers are different. You you know, you know, your number one is your number two, your number three. And I, I would be surprised if Fraser Forster leapt back from third to top spot in goal for Southampton. I think Ralph Hasenhutl's mind is made up with that one. Not that I don't think that uh, he's a better goalkeeper than the other two. I think this season he has proved himself. My question would be then, my only question to that would be then, and I agree with everything you're saying, Chris, my only question would be is, why is he not being unveiled already? Mm-hmm. Do you know if it's against you? Know, because, it needs because to be done and it's got to be done, blah, blah, blah. Because they're you trying know? to negotiate a deal which suits mm-hmm. both parties. But eventually that there, will, there will come that time where at the moment it, 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 it's probably all pretty amicable and nicey-nice and, and I don't know whether there's an, a, agents involved or whatever the clubs will be speaking to themselves and you know trying to get the deal done. Um, but there will come a time when Fraser Forster will may have to dig his heels in and uh, and kick up a bit of a stink to make sure it does happen and, and tell them that he wants to go there and they need to make it happen because he still does have power within the fact that he is on such a big big wage. Mm-hmm. So th- th- there isn't you know I'm not very good at maths, but. If you're on seventy, eighty thousand pounds a week, that's a lot, a lot of money for for any club in the world to be forking out for a player who can't even get on the bench. Yeah, that's true. I mean, take even yeah. back a wee bit. I mean, we mentioned uh, Chris asked about and Cham and where he could potentially factor into this, and you said Swanee that you know Southampton there probably is. Some kind of interest, and obviously, I'm not saying that this is going to happen. But just to hypothetically, like, would there like a kind of a swap deal involving and Cham for Forster? Would that be? Do you think that would be good business for Celtic, considering you know how good a how good a player and Cham is? What do you what do you think of that? I, I would it be good business? Yes. If you're, if you're asking me hypothetically, yeah. it's not even just a case of because of the respective players' talents. Mm-hmm. It's their areas of the pitch. Celtic yeah. are covered in the middle of the park. If Olivier and Cham was to go anywhere, they have enough in there to cope. Whereas yeah, at the moment, with Craig Gordon gone, they need a keeper. They need a goalkeeper. So yeah. I, I sort of slightly disagree sense. with that. Uh, yeah. Uh, in, in That's a surprise. That if, I was, if I was Neil Lennon, with what's at uh-huh. stake with the ten, I, I would be really selfish here, and and I would want to keep Encham because I think Encham has a real importance to Celtic in the middle of the park. And you talk about competition for places, get an injury or two, and it's it's a, it's, it's a totally different scenario. You know, at the moment you, you have McGregor, you have Brown, you have Ryan Christie, and you have Encham really competing for those three places. You know, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. but. You get two injuries, and then you're thinking, well, I mean, you got beat on as well, I suppose, but he's a really important player uh, for Neil Lennon. And if I was Neil Lennon this season, I would be thinking we need to have the desired strength and depth in every position. So, of course, I'd want to get the Forster deal done before anything, 
but I wouldn't necessarily want to use Uncham as a bargaining tool in that deal because I think Uncham is a is an exceptionally important player for Celtic. And another year at Celtic, I don't think would do him any harm. We saw what happened uh, the previous season when there was all this talk that he wanted to move, and then the yeah. wheels fell off his play a little bit. So I still think he, he's got a point to prove. Getting a, a hungry and sham back in pre-season uh, would would do Celtic a lot of good. He's a he's a top top player, but they need him. Celtic. Can't, I agree. Can't I agree be, with you. Let players Liam, go all the time. Liam just asked me hypothetically. I agree yeah. with you. I hate but hypothetical. He asked hypothetically. <laughs> you just prefer hypothetically. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And 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 he's nowhere near his peak yet. You know, he's not yeah. really even close. He's still, you forget, he's still relatively young in, in football terms. Still mm-hmm. plenty to come. He's a good player. We spoke about it in the past, didn't we? Such an mm-hmm. enigma. Some days yeah. you're watching him and you think he should be absolutely running games, destroying teams, you know, bottom six teams. And it doesn't happen and you're kind of wondering why. And then other times you see him in big European games and he's superb. You just get that consistency out of him. And it's probably that lack of consistency that resulted in him not making as many starts last year as he probably should have done. Even though he did play a lot of games. Yeah. He came yeah. off the bench quite a lot. As the season progressed, he started he sort of come back to, to prominence a, a fair bit in champ, didn't he? Um, yeah, well, the, the issue is, I mean, while it was a hypothetical uh, question, uh, and I don't like hypotheticals, I think Southampton are in danger of losing Hoiberg, so that there will be places which need filling in that midfield. Mm-hmm. Whether they whether Hootel would see Uncham... Uh, as as a player who could who could go in and fit in regularly, I'm I'm still not so sure. Yeah, as a, like a ready-made Premier League player. Yeah, yeah. you know, going going and banging out 30, 35 Premier League games. I'm not sure he's he's quite ready for that just yet. But I'm a big fan of his, and I, if I was Celtic, I think we don't need to we don't need to lose key players this season, and he yeah. is a key player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you think there's also a factor, Chris, in the fact that um, Southampton have come back for the resumption as well as they have? You know, they're pushing on up the table and they're going to be safe and they might even heighten their own targets during the summer yeah. in terms of who they can go for and what they can get and they can start making plans now because they know they're going to be okay and they're safe. And... Yeah, but they're... Do you think that makes a difference or do you think everyone will just wait until these games are over? I think all the talk at Southampton is them... Uh, going back to to their old model of developing from within, and and Ralph Hasenhutl has has bought into that. He signed a new deal, which I actually thought was slightly risky. Uh, he, you know, he signed a uh, a deal when when the club's having a break with this pandemic, and you're thinking, blimey, they could still get relegated. Uh, come back, they thrashed Norwich. Were very very good at uh, at Watford the other day. Um, so I, I think that he's looking to develop from within and, and maybe buy players on the cheap now. How cheap would Chan be? I mean, that's an interesting one. I'm not quite so sh- uh, sure on his contract situation. How many years has he got left? In yeah, he's got a fair few. He signed, he signed, a, he signed a long-term deal. Well, there you go. Uh, two, two seasons ago, I believe. It was like an extension on his deal. Yeah. 2022 in Chambers. Oh, that's not as long as I thought, to be fair. That's only two years. Right. So, but Celtic, you know, if they want um, to cash in on him, should still be asking for big money for him. With, with, you know, why, why, why would you let him go on the cheap? Yeah, it has to be, right. you know, it has to be double figures. 
Please join Liam Bryce and Chris Sutton next week for the Southampton podcast. <laughs> Live from St. Mary's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to ask you about Southampton. Danny this Ings has had a good season. Yeah, he has. He's been really good. Yeah. Ward Price, dynamite from yeah. dead ball. Stuart Armstrong's done well, former Celtic. Yeah. <laughs> move on, move on. Okay, we'll take it back to Celtic then. Um, and we'll bring in Joe Hart. Uh, as I said, it was in the record in a paper last week. Um, he's a potential option for, for Celtic. Um, so what, what do you think of, of this one, Lance? Hart's obviously, since he left Manchester City, um, you know, his career has taken, taken a wee bit of a, a downturn and he now finds himself as a, as a free agent. Um, so what do you, Chris, what do you make of this one? No, not for me. No? Uh, at all, no. Um I think Joe Hart, going back a number of years now, when he first broke into the Manchester City team, was a sensational goalkeeper, a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper. Since, uh, since well, Pep came in, didn't he? He brought Claudio Bravo in because he thought that he had uh, was was better out from was better at playing out from the back with his feet. That wasn't necessarily the right move because I thought Joe Hart was a better goalkeeper than. Than Bravo, um, Joe Hart went to Torino. Then he uh, his form dipped. He had a bit of a nightmare over there. And if Pep rated Joe Hart that much at that particular time, or thought enough of Joe, then he would have got him back uh, into the Manchester City team. But he bought Edison. Now mm-hmm. Edison is absolutely sensational. I think I think he's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper. Joe Hart isn't in his league. Uh, Joe Hart then went to West Ham. And I thought that he was a goalkeeper who looked like he'd lost real confidence. And the same has happened at Burnley. Why would Celtic want, whether you know he cost money or was a free transfer, it, it, why would Celtic want to spend big wages on Joe Hart? He isn't the keeper, which he was. And, and maybe he could come up, I think he's 33 years old, he could come up and resurrect his career. Celtic cannot afford this season to take a gamble. And that would be a gamble to sign Joe Hart, looking at the form which he has been in in the last few years. It hasn't been good enough. Celtic cannot afford slip-ups. That is why they need to get the deal done with Fraser Forster, because last season he was immense. You know what you're going to get with Fraser Forster. These two goalkeepers at this period of their careers, in the here and now, Fraser Forster is streaks ahead of Joe Hart. And that is the truth. Celtic should not touch Joe Hart. Swanee, do you agree? You would be wasting an awful lot of podcast time for me to repeat every word Chris Sutton just said. <laughs> okay. All right. Talk about Southampton again. Yeah, George. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I, I couldn't agree anymore. Um, uh, he, was a, he was a brilliant goalkeeper. Um, I'd be more worried. Chris obviously centred on what happened at the start with Pep Guardiola and stuff like that. You'd be more worried about the fact that he's gone to places like West Ham, Burnley, not really playing. Mm. And why is he a free agent? If Joe Hart was anything like Joe Hart was, why would he be a free yeah. agent in England? Yeah. What, are, what are clubs there? Championship clubs and things like that. Just So I agree with Chris wholeheartedly. I listened to the interview. Uh, it, it did an interview with the, the BBC. Um, Simon Stone, I think it was. And it was a really uh, in-depth, it's a really interesting interview. And 
in the interview, Joe actually sounded quite pained, like he had a point to prove. But one thing which which I took from the interview, he said that football is politics. And I think we can all agree in some cases that that is true. But in the case of Joe Hart, football isn't politics. Pep came into Manchester City. I think he made a mistake with Bravo. But Pep didn't think Joe Hart was good enough for Manchester City. That wasn't politics. That mm-hmm. was uh, a, a, a footballing decision. Subsequently, since then, Joe, Joe Hart's form at the, at the other clubs which I've mentioned has dropped. That's not politics. That's performance. And Joe Hart's performance, if you strip everything back over the last few seasons, have been substandard. So Joe Hart, I think, was wrong uh, to, to, to actually say that in that respect about his own career. And we judge, you know, Joe Hart, Joe, Joe Hart could come north of the border and he could prove me wrong and he could be absolutely sensational. But nothing which I've seen over mm-hmm. the last three or four seasons will make me change my mind on that. Swanee's right. If you got the Joe Hart who first started at Manchester City, then Celtic, you know, would have won a watch. They really would have done. He was a brilliant keeper, but was is the key word. He was. That, that is the past. We are talking about the present. We are talking about Celtic going for uh, 10 in a row, which has never been done before. And we are talking about the pressure of being a goalkeeper uh, in an old firm team. And we, we know that that position carries so much pressure. Rangers have a good goalkeeper in McGregor, but Celtic with Fraser Forster, we all know that he gives that insurance, which is so important. You know, when your centre-halves make a, make a mistake that you have a goalkeeper who can bail them out. And, and they've had that this season in Forster. That this isn't even a competition. Fraser Forster is so far and away better than Joe Hart at this moment in time. And that is the deal which has to happen. The final thing for me, Chris, would be it's OK taking a gamble on somebody at six grand a week. You don't take a gamble yeah. on somebody on funny money. Yeah. Exactly. Which, which I would presume Joe Hart would be on. Yeah, Celtic, Celtic, you know, they're not in a position where they're, they're here to resurrect uh, people's career at this moment in time. Joe, you know, I, you, you know, you can argue and you can chuck it at me that, you know, I had a stinker at Chelsea. I was probably preempted before you lot say it. So I came up, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a slightly um, different situation with Joe Hart in the fact that he's had three or four years where he's underperformed. Uh-huh. I think, you know, Alan Thompson had a bit of an iffy time at, uh, where was he, Aston Villa at that particular time and, and came north of the border. So, you know, attracting people up from down south uh, isn't, isn't always easy. Um, but, but Joe Hart at this moment in time isn't right for Celtic. Uh, and that's what Neil Lennon has to think. He has to think about the team. He has to think... Um, yeah, very, very straightforwardly with this one, and I'm sure he will do. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get this link. I don't necessarily like this link with Joe Hart. Well, the example I was just for the, for argument's sake, I was going to use was was uh, Scott Sinclair, who kind of lost his way down south and then came up and completely revitalised. Oh, goalkeeper, I suppose. I know that's the caveat. Is it's a completely it's a you talk about it being a high pressure position, especially in the kind of old firm environment. Um, Listen, well, Liam, Liam, you can make examples on you can make examples on various situations. I mean, there's a guy who's just walked out the door a couple of days ago, Craig Gordon. That was a gamble yeah. for Celtic, given he hadn't played. 
Yeah. But it's just the it's just the current circumstance of the moment. Yeah. I think is is what dictates the answers more than anything else. You know, at that time when Craig came in, Celtic, you know, Celtic were pretty much pretty dominant. They could afford to to have a look, and if it didn't happen, they would still have the time to get someone else. Fraser Foster was obviously leaving, but it worked out great. Craig Gordon was fantastic. You'll obviously come to him later. There's different levels of gambles, different areas of the pitch, different things. I think the question that was asked to, to Chris and myself is, you know, Joe Hart or Fraser Foster? Is it worth a Joe Hart gamble or getting Fraser Foster? There is, as, as Chris alluded to right at the beginning, mm-hmm. there is no argument. Yeah. There is only one answer to this. <laughs> so to, me, to me, to me, time, maybe I'm talking maybe. rubbish. No, but but he doesn't he doesn't have time to. This isn't a season where you where you can bed players in. Yeah. And say to Joe Hart, ah, oh, you know I'll bank you, Joe. You've been a good keeper in the past. Have have six. Yeah, I'll give you six games. You're my number one. And he goes and he has a nightmare. <laughs> it, that 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 cannot happen. We don't know what the challenge is going to come from other clubs this season. But Celtic have got to concentrate on themselves. We don't know what the effect, whether fans are in the stadiums or not, but if fans aren't in the stadiums, we don't know what effect that will have on the Celtic team. I would personally think that Celtic still have the biggest advantage because they have the best squad. But having said that, that that may have an impact. Who knows? Mm-hmm. No, fair enough, lads. Fair enough. Um, so, I mean, away from the goalkeeping situation, um, you know, we've obviously uh, at Celtic. Imagine them, you know, look at a couple of more areas. Um, you've had Joseph Simunovic who left um, a while back now, uh, and then we've got the kind of unresolved situation as well with Mohamed El Yunusi. Uh, so, I mean, just on that, you know, if you guys got any kind of other areas of the squad specifically that you can I maybe expect Celtic to, to target in the coming weeks and months? You would expect they'd probably look at our central defender, mm-hmm. having lost Simunovic. It's, um, we've spoken about it before on the pod, about Hatem coming back and near Beaton covering in at centre-back, Stephen Welsh being quite young, but really you're only looking at Ayer and Julian at the moment, so you would expect that they would probably get another one in there. I would certainly be looking to do, and we touched on the, the left side of the attack. Yeah. Um, whether it, depending on what formation Neil Lennon would choose to play, but he'd like to have options. But we talked about it, and that brought us, you know, that put us in El Unissi territory on the left side. I know Chris is a big fan of Mike Johnson. Thinks he might be able to make that position his own. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's glaringly obvious. I don't think you need to, to break into Neil Lennon's top drawer to work out where they, and, and see the A4 paper to figure out where they need to strengthen up. Yeah. Full back as well, left back possibly. Um, obviously, with Johnny Hayes, he's just you know, said t- everywhere, Liam. There isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we t- we talked about the left side. Then with Johnny Hayes was obviously a utility yeah. utility that could play yeah. all three positions on the left left uh-huh. back, left wing back, yeah. left side of the attack. He could play them all. So uh-huh. with him going, you would imagine he might be looking over there. Volleyball and golly disappeared off the scene completely after <laughs> Christmas last year or after the after the break. So. You would guess they'd be looking over there, and well, you know, see unresolved. I would guess they'd be looking at the left because it clearly hasn't happened for Marianne Schwed. Um, yeah, and we, we talked about Forrest maybe getting some competition on the other side, yeah. Um, because he had to play Brimpong. Brimpong. nothing, nothing. Well, did so you say what did you say was wrong with him? No, what's happened is it so that's just rolling another year for Frimpong. Ah, he's fine, I just roll on, mm. I 
Yeah, yeah. It's all right. So, I mean, I would imagine that in bigger games, you know, if Neil Lennon wants to play a back four, you would be looking at Hatem, who was who looked tremendous earlier yeah. in the season before he got his injury. If you if he switches to that three five two that he finished the season with, you know, Forrest can play right, Frimpong could play the attacking right, yeah. Hatem could probably play the attacking right or the right side of the back three. Yeah, um, he he definitely needs another centre half because yeah, El Hamid's um, you know injury situation would have been a worry. I really like him, but as whether you know he's going to go the whole season. So Celtic do need one. I actually thought Simunovic was all right. I, I you know I, I think his injury record was pretty horrific, but I always thought he was pretty steady. In a but they go hand in hand, had, don't they, Chris? They go hand in hand, don't they? I mean, it's you know, so I said he was all right, but his injury situation was horrific. Well, yes, d- yeah. does it not go hand in hand? There's no point in having a guy who's half decent who can't play six weeks at a time. I think you've made a very good point there, Swanee. But when he did come in, he was sort of steady away. He was a good one to have mm-hmm. in and around. But if you know, Celtic spent a few quid on him, they would have wanted a better return. But yeah. in in terms of another number, that's what Celtic need in that position. And I don't know whether Welsh uh, is is quite ready. I'd say the interesting position for me is the centre forward one, because uh, it's going to you know if Celtic play with a three five two, it'll be Edward and Griffiths. We we know that as long as Griffiths comes back and his fitness is is up to the required level, keep hold of Edward really important. But can Neil Lennon trust Bio? Can Neil Lennon trust Klimala, who he spent a few quid on? Klimala. And on the evidence of what we've seen from both players, that is an enormous call. They have both have a huge preseason in front of them. They both have a real point to prove because I thought I saw Klimala, where was that? Clyde, he, he um yeah. he had his only full game. Yeah. I didn't really know what he was. I, people talked about him. Celtic bought him for his pace. He didn't look absolutely rapid to me. Was his link up secure? Was his hold up play good enough? Well, I didn't really see it. And I know he's, you know, he hasn't. People can say, well, he hasn't had much of an opportunity. And I get that. But Neil Lennon and the coaching staff see him every day in training. And how many times was he left on uh, off the bench? Uh, in the in in the last couple of months that Celtic played, numerous times, so he couldn't have been that impressive. So he's one who really needs to to pull his finger out. Now I, I know Callum McGregor did an interview where he said he's bulked up, so he's obviously a conscientious boy and he, he wants to do well. But whatever way you look at it, when Celtic spend three and a half, was it three and a half million on a player? Yeah. Then they want yeah. him to fire and. I would be worried if I was Neil Lennon and at this moment in time, they were my two backup strikers who I had to trust because if I was throwing them onto the pitch, I would always throw them on thinking, I really don't know what's going to happen here. I wouldn't throw them on with the evidence we've seen and and the performances which we've seen. And you may think this is a bit harsh. But I couldn't, I couldn't trust them, and they have to prove in this preseason that they are good enough and that they have Neil Lennon's trust. I think that is vitally, vitally important for Neil Lennon and Celtic. Otherwise, I wouldn't be surprised if he got another striker in. Really, yeah, and I think, I think it's, a, I think it's a great word you used there, um, 
Christian, you were talking about Neil Lennon's trust because, you know, last season there was so much riding on it. Lennon couldn't afford to take gambles on different things and it'll be the same this year. And it was interesting when gaps were appearing up front, you know, Ryan Christie would be slotted up to play or Forrest to be moved into a central area to play in there. You know, well, it was Lewis, almost Lewis, like... Lewis Morgan played the, played the League Cup final. Lewis Morgan, but that was before Clamalla came. I'm talking about, you know, okay, when, it, sorry, yeah. when, when they came back. It, there was yeah. so much riding on it that, and Griffiths was back in and it, he wasn't even prepared to, to take chances and mix and match. You know, he would just go with the, the guys he knew, you know, and, and, and shift them further in and move their position and, and, and stick with the tried and tested. I don't think Clamalla got that much of a chance, really. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know. You know you know how it works. You have to earn the rights, Swanee. Well, that is true. I agree with you. You have to... You know, it's not a case of... I do agree. It's not a case of a manager just saying, oh, well, I'm going to give you a chance. You know, he needs to be destroying Christopher Julian and training and running past him and scoring this goal and that goal and make it... I mean, you had a situation last year. If you'd, if you'd asked Neil Lennon this time last year, are you going to give Jeremy Frimpong a chance? He probably would have said, well, probably not. But Neil Lennon made the point that Jeremy Frimpong made it impossible for him not to give him yeah. a chance. Because he was so good. And you're right, that's what they have to do. Yeah, they have to be dynamite every week, every day in training. I agree with you. you. Know, you're, back, you're back to the one where managers don't have agendas. Managers aren't going to put, are, are not going to put players into the team if they're good enough and they're proving themselves. As, as, as a young player, I, you know, I, I had it myself at Norwich City. I think Norwich City bought a, a fellow called Darren Beckford for. A million pounds, but I mean, this is the early nineties. You two probably weren't even born, um, and I remember going to pre-season in Sweden as, as a young, gangly, good-looking striker. Nineteen ninety, um, I was about forty. <laughs> but but I, remember, I remember when they brought him, thinking, "Blimey, you know that I'm not going to get a place." And, and in the pre-season um, in Sweden, I I I played well, and they actually couldn't leave me out at that particular time because. I was playing better than the player who they'd, they'd spent money on, and that's and that's what Klimala and Bio have to do. And yeah. you know, Bio actually has some some really good attributes. I do think. I actually think that when he's come come on in a Celtic jersey at times and got his opportunity, he's trying too hard. He mm -hmm. just needs to slow things down yeah. a little bit. And and Klimala was unfortunate because I, I do take the the point about you know if you have one game. If you're given one opportunity in a Celtic jersey, where wouldn't you want to play? Broadwood Stadium on a windy day. I mean, that's, I, a, that's I, a bloody nightmare, I, isn't it? Against a back four or five that's playing 15 yards from its own goal. Yeah. Were you a weapon supposed to be pacing yeah. behind? Yeah, but he, but he still did have a couple of opportunities. And there were there were parts yeah. of, you know, where you're looking for something. But but yeah. that that aside, he is trained for a long, long time, and he's been left out. Of yeah, I agree with that. Left out for for a reason, and you think you know, if you're a Celtic fan, you're sitting thinking three and a half million. Okay, we know what market we're in now. We're in a development market, so we need to be patient. Bearing in mind, Celtic spent nine million pounds on Odson Edward. Yeah, um, as a development player, that actually looks like an absolute snip now at nine million. But the fact that he can't, they can't throw him. Is that your? Is that you got your lunch? Patrick Kamala's mum's on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to get it, sorry. Slaughtered. Uh, no, he only got, I'm just looking at it there, I, 15 minutes in the league Kamala got. So it was eight minutes against St Johnston and seven minutes against Motherwell. 
think but he so. would have but, but if Neil if Neil yeah. Lennon thought he was good enough, he'd chuck him on with twenty five minutes to go half an hour. He doesn't trust him. You've got to earn that trust. So there's yeah. no point. It's it's ruthless, Liam. That's what football is at the top level. It is ruthless. You know, managers they can, they can give players time in friendlies, preseason, twenty one games. That they can do that because the results don't matter. Mm-hmm. When you play for Celtic, the results matter. Every detail matters. So you know if you like someone. It, it's not about being, you know, he's a nice guy. We'll give him to, you know, I feel sorry for him. We spent the money. Neil Lennon can't think that. However much money they spend on players these days, you know, that there's always question marks. But Celtic are three and a half million pounds for a player. I don't think he played what he played forty games or something, maybe not even that amount of games. So you know that was that that was a gamble. I, you know, I don't want to sort of be too harsh on Klimala, but that's that's the situation that that he's in, that Celtic are in, that Neil Lennon's in. The simplest thing to do is go out in pre-season and, like Swanee says, play so well that he's in a position where he's saying, "Leave me out." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, th- I think I think I think you said one thing earlier when when you were talking about Levy and Jam as well. Um, sorry, and you're talking about the defensive side of things. Is that you? You use the phrase "ruthless" to describe football. I think this season is also going to be relentless because the way the season is going to be condensed, the midwinter break's been scrapped. Well, basically, they've already said there's hardly going to be enough dates to fit in all the games. You're basically going to be playing Saturday, Wednesday, if, if Celtic have a decent run in Europe, Saturday, Wednesday, every week, basically all the way through from August to May, by the sounds of it. And they're talking about four games in eight days at some points. The way the fixture list is going to work, you'd imagine Celtic be involved in most competitions. Jeez, they've still got competitions to finish from last season that they're going to be playing in. So, Odson Edward and Lee Griffiths, by, I mean, they, they could be the fittest guys in the world. You're still asking a lot without a, without a mid-season break to recharge. Yeah. To play every minute of every game. So you're right what you say. Squads is going to be the two backup strikers. Essentially probably won't even be backup strikers in one way because they're going to have to be used so often, you would think, yeah. to give the two boys a break. It depends. Um, it so like... you're right. They do need to prove themselves. They can't just be hanging around. Or mm. they do need to go and get another one who can just step straight in and play. And it's going to be the same in all areas of the pitch. I really think that. I think this season... I think that's where Celtic have a great advantage this season over the rest because squads are going to be so stretched. When you look at Dean Smith at Aston Villa talking about how the, the resumption started down there and how they've been pressed into playing so many games so quickly. Yeah, his squad's dis- I, I know it's slightly different, but his squad's almost disintegrating in front of his eyes. He's losing two players per game. They're playing three days later, three days later. I know oh, it won't be as bad as that, but to a, to a lesser extent, there's going to be so many yeah. games. Sorry, so many games. Yeah. But I think I think with Dean Smith that that argument. I mean, it's what four games in eleven days. That's that's not a, a disaster. It's just they've been rank rotten. Aye, but you try that over eight months. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> is that, players, what is that? Players, what is that? What is that? Players are going to need breaks. I don't know. Six hundred and twelve games next season. <laughs> I've I've just worked it out. Uh. <laughs> you stop like playing it. devil's advocate, sir. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the, the thing with Kamala and. And like it's it's kind of obviously Neil Lennon's thinking there as as to whether he goes for another striker. I mean, it'll also do you think be influenced on what system he intends on in playing next season? Because if he's, you know, he goes back to say this four two three one, then it's lone striker where you've then got Lee. You'd imagine Edward will be 
you know, far and away first choice, but then Lee Griffiths is the immediate backup. But if he's going to stick with us, with the two, he's not, think, he's not thinking like that though, Liam. Is he? No, he's just thinking. You know, he he won't be thinking about systems. He'll be thinking, have I got enough firepower up top? And at the moment, he's you know, we'd all look and we'd say we've got we've got uh, Odson Edward. That's what Neil will be thinking. We've got Odson Edward. He, if I can play him every game, I will do. Then we've got Lee Griffiths, but they're, they're st- we still have to say it. There'll still be question marks over Lee Griffiths because we're still all not totally sure. However brilliant he was when he came back after the break, the other two are the two who really, really need to up the game and improve and give Neil a decision to make. At the moment, they've not given him uh, a, a, a decision to make in terms of putting them on. On the field, that's, that's why I think. Do you not think Elianusi that that would make Elianusi such a valuable player? Yeah, in the yeah. sense that he can play that wide, he can play wide in the three up front. Mm-hmm. You know, he he could play wide in a four four two if he decided to go back to the ages and play that. But Neil Lennon also said to us before a European tie, I can't remember where it was, um, maybe in Lazio, I'm not sure. He was talking about the surgery and he said and he made the point of saying Elianusi has played up. And played off a striker in a two, you know he's played in that kind of ten as well, and he can play right up, can play right up as well. And think, people forget, but people have, people have forgotten about. I don't want to drag it back to El Yunusi again. I know we've covered that, mm-hmm. but there has been a sense of people forgetting how good El Yunusi was when he got his fitness up last year. That period in sort of September, October, November before he got his injury, he was flying. Yeah, and he was he was sensational. I mean, his performance in, in Rome was magnificent in the game that Celtic beat Lazio. You know, he was really good. His two goals in the Cup semi, Betfred Cup semi-final against Hibs. Oh, performance in Petaudry. Yeah. He was a really serious weapon, either playing mm. off the side and he would come centrally and score goals as well. He's almost like, you were going to say, Liam, should they be thinking about buying a wide guy or a central guy? Mm-hmm. He's, he's almost both. Yeah. What time you'd be buying two for one? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you touched on it there. I think some of Celtic's best some of their best form last season coincided when he was starting to hit top gear. Yep. I mean, it's probably not a coincidence that. No, they had a brilliant balance playing with, and, and in fairness, it was a different system. It was the three behind yeah. Dodson, yeah. but they got that balance. You know, Forrest and Forrest was swapping sides at times last year. I think Chris Chris made a great point in one of his columns that you know James is such a team player that he was he was sacrificed you know he wasn't sacrificing himself but the manager would, could play him in different positions you maybe never got the best out of him but Forrest Forrest played right El Yunusi played left and Christie played as a 10 Celtic's so tempo goal threat everything during that period was fantastic but it's so important to be adaptable and if you know, we we can go back and think about the switch to the 352 but there was a switch in game away at Aberdeen as well, where the three-five-two wasn't working. He went back uh, to, right. to, to the back yeah. four, yeah. and Christopher I galloped up the field, uh, and that system was was a you know it was a change late on in the game, wasn't it? About half an hour to go, yeah. and that tactical change won them the game. And that's, that's what right. that's what Celtic have to be. That's what all good teams have to be. But I, you know, that I, I, does sort of I do get annoyed with this point about. Where, where people are saying, well, we need to give players time. We all understand what is at stake next season. This isn't a, you know, it's not a friendly game of badminton in the back garden where you can let your little kids come in and, and have a couple of shots and lose you the game. This is, see, it's Celtic are on for 10 in a row. You can't, you know, 
You can't give keep chuckling people. Oh God, we'll give we'll give him a game. It doesn't matter. It does matter. The I Norfolk Cricket League. <laughs> it's not Tiddlywinks, Swanee. It's not family badminton or family pool. Come on. <laughs> I'm not, I, don't, I don't disagree with you, Chris. I don't disagree at all. Oh, be nice. Packing oh. fights with this, I'll tell you. Oh, he's fights. a nice guy. He's a lovely man. Let's put him in. Let's give him three games. Oh, we lost 2 1. <laughs> You'd never have got a game. <laughs> <laughs> move on, move on, move right. on. What's next? Nice guys finished last. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the state of the, the squad, um, that will kind of all be revealed come what we still hope is going to be the 1st of August. Um, it's looking ever more likely that, you know, that might actually happen now. I suppose the other big question is, you know, is there going to be anybody, um, any fans in the ground at that point? And I touched on it at the beginning. The story in the paper today that it's kind of, it's starting to move forward a wee bit. I think like kind of, you know, every time we come on the podcast, it's starting to look a bit more positive. Uh, to the point that now we're we're talking about, you know, the prospect that we might even have some fans in Celtic Park for the first game of the season. So I mean, considering where we were a wee while ago, where you know the, you know, some of the assumptions was that there's going to be nobody until next year. It's it's starting to look more positive, isn't it? I think that's the key thing. What you say, Liam, um, from where everybody was. I think you know we did these podcasts. Through the through the lockdown, we're still in lockdown, and, and it was it was really concerning. We weren't sure, clubs weren't sure, you know, whether we we're even going to get supporters into the ground anywhere before sort of the turn of the year. Um, I think it would be dan- dangerous is the wrong word, but you, you almost don't want to bring yourself to look at August one and think, right, let's try and get fans in for then. You know, even if it's another month, mm-hmm. it's still. Yeah. 50 times better than what we thought it was going to be, you know. If you yeah. can even get people in the ground any time in August, last weekend in August, that would be such a great step forward. And we just feel like things are starting to move forward a wee bit. People are obviously arguing about it. Not Some some aren't happy. I think countries are moving too fast, obviously. And we're not going to get into the political side and, and technical and scientific side of COVID. We don't know. But just the, the answer being simply, yeah, we're in so much more of a hopeful and optimistic place than we were two months ago and I think that's great, I think everybody can see the light now at the end of the tunnel and the ch- even the chance to have people in the grounds in August is, is just so hot, so exciting, so heartwarming great. Yeah. It's good that we're having the, the discussion at least now Chris isn't it? Um, yeah I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about fans in the stadium I thought I was the misery No I, I'm not, I just, do, do you know what that uh, there is light, and I, and I, I understand what you're saying. I, I totally get that. August isn't far away. What's worried me is if you see the news today, Leicester's gone into lockdown. You see, Liverpool, brilliant, won the title. The morons who were celebrating fireworks uh, uh, in Liverpool city centre. These people are the people who are going to kill it for everybody else. The the, the people on uh, Brighton. Uh, sorry, Bournemouth Beach, like thousands and thousands of people. These are the people who are going to destroy uh, fans coming back into football stadiums uh, in, in the near future because they're not adhering to the rules. They're not sticking to what everybody else has, uh, has been told to do. And and I don't know what it's like in Scotland, but it seems to be in England. 
there's a there's a viewpoint from from certain people who are saying, well, they're doing it down there, so we'll do it here. I don't care anymore, and that's the biggest issue. And it, it does worry me that Leicester has gone into lockdown now. That is a massive step backwards, and this this could spread and happen all over the country. So I am not so certain. I would love football fans to get back in the stadiums, the same as you guys would, for obvious reasons. Watch the FA Cup. I don't know whether you did at the weekend. It really, really missed the yeah. fans being in the stadiums. That, that, that was so apparent, so evident, the Merseyside derby as well. I'm enjoying the football to, to a very, very large extent, but it isn't the same. But if we want to get football fans back into the stadiums, then... Everybody needs to be disciplined and, and, and follow the guidelines. The, the sooner the better for me. If it's done and it's done safely, then, then all well and good. But I have to say, with some of the scenes I've seen down south in the last week or so, it's, it's been quite depressing. So I'm not as hopeful as you guys. You're obviously sticking to the rules up there. I th- I th- it's just, I think, the, the overall picture... Um... In terms of the way the numbers are going in Scotland, I think we had there was you know there was four days where you know there was no no COVID related deaths recorded, which was obviously was great news. But then I think the the thing as well is that the number of new cases that were being reported seems to have it's been down into single figures. Um, and I think if it starts to to go that way, I think at least up in Scotland there's maybe a bit more leeway as to what they can they can attempt to do and and. As opposed to maybe, as you say, down south where Leicester have been, it's gone back into lockdown. So there's less room for manoeuvre down in England because there's obviously a higher prevalence of the of the virus. So I think up here, does it, Liam I also think there's a wee bit less room for now. This is the Celtic podcast, mm-hmm. so yeah, primarily focused on Celtic. But if you if you without being disrespectful to any of the clubs, if you take Celtic Rangers, Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen. Maybe a couple of others. You're really only looking at six, seven clubs where it'd be a huge issue. I think the majority of the clubs, I know Chris was having a wee carry on earlier on about Hamilton, but oh, look at, why have you brought that back up? Looking, <laughs> looking at the size of the stadium and the amount of people they normally get in, uh-huh. it, may, it may be quite doable. You know, Livingston, I, I heard Leanne Dempster at Hibs say it, it's small steps as, as you go along, and maybe at the beginning there won't be away fans. That might be the way they can control it and just they know who's coming in the home sections and things like that. I mean, I wasn't talking about the stadiums being packed out, Chris, in August or September. No. I was just talking about, you know, hoping that we could get maybe any somebody and a few people in. You know, there'll, there'll be some yeah. clever minds working on this. And, you know, if it's only home supporters at Ross County for a, for a game in Dingwall or only home fans at Livingston and only home fans at Hamilton, I know it won't be the same, but at least it's a starter. I'm starting to move on. In terms it's nearly of like that at Ibrox anyway, isn't it? <laughs> it'll, be far more, it'll be far more logistically difficult, of uh-huh. course, for Celtic with a sheer volume of people who want to get in the stadium, but you can be sure they're working hard. And mm-hmm. As I say, we just get anybody, you know, a few thousand in to start with. It's not going to be great for everyone. There'll be people with season tickets that can't get in. Still a shame, but I think most people understand where, where the world is just now, not just the country. As I say, even just the prospect of getting anyone into the stadium for August is, is, is encouraging. That is one of the things that's, they would, you know, you think it'd maybe be quite tricky to work out at a place like Celtic Park where you aren't obviously going to be able to put the 60,000 people back in. Um, so then it becomes a case of, you know, well, how do we work out who gets in? You know, do they, do they ballot it? Does, does it become random? How, how do we see that? 
possibly panning out. I haven't got a clue. No, no, no. me. Very, very, very tricky, isn't it? Uh, if you do it on a round robin system again with the greatest of respect you tell one season ticket holder yep you've got your ticket for the home game with Hamilton and then you tell another one yeah yours is for the Rangers game that's yep. going to go down well isn't it would, would you like me to email money, Peter Lowell you can't think you'd be a dab hand in the ticket office Chris do you not fancy it How can you <laughs> he's not even responding to that <laughs> Liam, what a ridiculous question that is I mean do, do you want me in Swanee lynched <laughs> I'm just, I'm just asked the questions. That's all. That's... Well, I know, and I'm, I'm not answering that one for. Oh, use it already. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that amongst that, Hamilton got another kicking in amongst that as well. Um, right. See, okay. You said that. You said that. Adam. We'll leave. We'll leave that one. Uh, yes, we will for somebody else. But I suppose you know it's they're talking about. Um, you know, doing test events, um, which will obviously give us a better idea of how it might work. Um, but the other you know, point of discussion, I think it was Neil Lennon that was the first to bring it up, was the possibility of the Derby games against Rangers, like pushing them as far back as possible in order to get as many fans into the game. No. Well, but no. I don't no, think no. the SPFL secretary, I think it was Ian Blair on the radio at the weekend, he PO, but he pretty much just ruled that out as not being as not being feasible. And I take it you agree with that. Well also yeah. in the case also in the case I agree with it completely. I also agree with it in the case Chris made a very good point. There's cities in England going back into lockdown. You don't know how this thing's gonna change. Mm-hmm. You know, you might get some people back into stadiums in October, come November, everyone's banned again. Can't start <laughs> you know, you can't start organising the fixture list to suit when people can't come in. You know, it might be our flagship fixture in, in Scotland, whether other fans or other clubs like that or not. That is the case. That's the one it does. But you can't just move it so that can't we can have a your, stadium and things like tailor, that. Yeah. Can't yeah. tailor fixtures for Celtic and Rangers. No, I agree. I mean, come on. They yeah. have to be, basically, when they always were. And to be perfectly honest with you, there was two old firm games last season at the, at the home grounds of each team. The away team won both of them. So it's not that big a deal, is it? That's all from us this week. Uh, thanks very much to Swanee and Chris for joining me. Uh, make sure you download the Global Player app to get the podcast as soon as it's available and we'll see you again next week. Thanks very much for listening. Bye.